You're listening to the Trace Church Rock Rimmon podcast. All right, well, good morning, Trace. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody feeling good? Glad to be here? I am. Hey, uh, incredibly grateful for each and every one of you joining us in this room. Also, for those of you that are watching online today or maybe listening at a later date, thanks for joining us. Uh, all of you are family. So whether you're in this room, whether you're watching online, we're all part of the Trace family. And so obviously, hey, it's Super Bowl Sunday Who's taking it home tonight? Anybody Tampa Bay fans? Let me hear you. May the Lord have mercy on your soul. Chief fans? All right. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Hey, really quick, if you are new here, uh, if you're not in a hurry today, it would be an honor to me uh, just to get to meet you more personally. And so I'm going to be out at Next Steps. And so before you take off today, again, if you're not in a hurry, come out and just say hi. And I would really, really appreciate that. Well, last week we kicked off this new three-week series called Made for More. And we began with this question. If there was a better version of you, if there was a better version of you, would you be interested? Because unfortunately, what's happened in so many of our lives is that somewhere along the road of our faith journey, we settled. Maybe we settled for the status quo. Maybe we got stuck in a situation. And so it's been my hope in this series that this series would open our eyes to see that there could be, and I would go as far as to say that there is, more. And maybe not just a little bit more. Maybe immeasurably more than what you could ever ask or imagine according to the power, God's power that is at work within us. That there's more to this life than me. And there's more to this life than you. That there's more to this life than what many of us have been experiencing. And I believe that if we will put some intentional steps in place, all of us today can step towards the more that you were created for. And so last week, we kicked off this series with a conversation on purpose. And I introduced you to this graphic right here. And I talked to us about how all of us want like the end result in so many respects or aspects of our life. All of us want to get to the top of that pyramid of purpose where we find like it's like this is what I was put on this earth to do. Like all of us want to land there, but what we miss and what we fail to see at times is all the consistent steps in following Jesus, consistently following Jesus and consistently being faithful. It's in the culmination of those experiences that allows us to land at this sweet spot of purpose where we feel like we're walking in the purposes that God has for us that we're doing exactly what we've been put on this earth to do. But we kept talking about how it's the small things. And this goes for so many aspects of our life. It's the small things that no one sees, done consistently, that lead to the big results that everyone wants. Now that was a recap of last week. But what I want to talk to us about today is identity. Because I believe it's impossible to step into the more that God created us for, listen to me, if we don't know who we are. More importantly, if we don't know whose we are. And so I'm going to flip the script on us a little bit today because my guess is that up till now, when you've heard this idea, this notion of an identity crisis, you've always looked at it or thought of it with a negative connotation. But I'm going to flip that script today because I'm going to suggest that all of us all of us need a crisis of identity. You see, when we have a crisis of identity, it's when we start to question where our sense of self or where our sense of identity has actually come from. And so many of us, 
so many of us, if not all of us, are walking through this life with an identity that's been built on what others have said about us, what others have done to us, who we think we are because of the things that we do, or maybe some things that we've done along the way that because we did those things, they kind of stuck with us and maybe we developed a reputation with time because of those things. And so let me say this right out of the gates. You are not. You are not what you do. You are not what you've done or what others have done to you. And you are not what others have said about you. But I think it's safe to say that most of us, if not all of us, at some point have developed some false identities along the road of our life because of one of these three things, if not because of all of these three things that I just mentioned. Some people said some stuff about you when you were young and because of who it came from, like some of the things that were said, maybe they bounced off, but some of them, some of them stuck. You did some stuff. You had some stuff done to you. And as much as you wish you could have shaken it, it stuck and it's still with you. Or maybe for you, it's been about your accomplishments. Maybe you've got some prestigious titles or awards along the way that have defined you. Listen, if we allow anything, if we allow anything other than our Heavenly Father to determine our identity, it's going to be a path towards despair. And for so many of us, that path actually started when we were in kindergarten. Now stay with me because I'm going to build something for us. How many of you guys actually remember your kindergarten teacher's name? Mine was Miss Sprinkle. Like, isn't that the most quintessential kindergarten teacher name? It really was. Miss Sprinkle was amazing. And I loved her. She gave us like uh, peanut butter fudge. She let me take naps during the day. But Mrs. Sprinkle is where it started for me to develop a false identity. Now, I'm being facetious a little bit. But what happened at some point in the early stages of our life is we were likely asked a question. What, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? And maybe somebody like Mrs. Sprinkle said, hey, why don't you draw a picture of what it is you want to be. And so maybe you drew a picture of a fireman or maybe you drew a picture of a teacher or maybe a pastor. Just kidding, no kid wants to be a pastor when they grow up. But And that question in and of itself, it's not a bad question. It's innocent enough. But if it's never reinforced with a different question, I mean, because if you think about like the early stages of our life, once we were asked that question, probably from a very young age, what do you want to be? And over time, we kept being asked that question. Probably the early stages of our life, we were asked that question over and over and over again. And again, simple enough, innocent enough. But because that's the only question that was likely reinforced over and over, you can see really quickly that what we do to a great extent, starts to define who we are. Many years ago, uh, I was actually a school teacher, uh, believe it or not, (laughs) and I taught 12th grade Bible class at a Christian school in Kentucky, and every senior that went through that school had to take my class, and every year I would start out my class with the same assignment, every single year. And I would have my students actually put together an an obituary 
and they would write out their obituary. I know it's kind of morbid. I got a few emails about that from parents, but um, they would write out their obituary. And in other words, they were writing out like, what do you want to be remembered for? Who do you want to be? And so they would write this out and I would allow, you know, some students to get up and they would share it in front of the class. But then every one of my students would actually tape those obituaries around my classroom and they would remain there for the rest of the year because I wanted to remind them that after a long season of their younger life being asked over and over again, hey, what are you going to do? What are you going to be? I wanted them to make this transition into their young adulthood, this big transition, one of the biggest transitions of their life. I wanted them to focus on, no, 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 who? Who do you want to be? And if you're uh, college age or high school in here right now, I would encourage you to write this statement down. This, listen to me. Before you figure out what you're going to do, you need to figure out who you're going to be. And before you figure out who you're going to be, you need to figure out who you are. Because when the what, listen to me, when the what starts to become more important than the who, then we'll start to find our identity in what we do. I feel like I've been reading too many Dr. Seuss books, but let me say it again. When the what becomes more important than the who, we start to find our identity in what we do. I'm a pastor, right? I'm a politician. I'm a doctor. I'm a nurse. I'm a teacher. I'm a homeschooler. And maybe we start to find our identity because of who we're married to or who's our kid. You know, I'm married to such and such, and he's my husband or she's my wife, or I'm his or her uh, father or mother, And we start to find our identity in either what we do or maybe what others do that are connected to us. And again, not a bad thing for those things to be associated to you, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with being associated with those things. But listen to me, if who you are depends on what you do, your identity becomes dangerously fragile because all of those things that I just mentioned, they can be taken away. All of those things that I just mentioned you could potentially fail at. And so if you connect something that you do to who you are, what happens when you don't achieve what you think you should achieve or what others expect of you, you start to consider yourself a failure and you start to take identity out of those things and associate them to your life. But listen, what you do was never supposed to be associated with who you are. This is why so many people, I mean, you can look at all these different uh, kids that have grown up that were like sports were pushed on them. Andre Agassi is a perfect example. You should read his biography, autobiography. that talks about how hard his dad pushed tennis on him. And he won the most prestigious awards when it comes to tennis. And if you read his autobiography, he'll tell you, I hated it. Because I started to attach my self-worth to what I did. And I think this is the case for so many of our lives. If what we do gets connected to who we are, our identity becomes dangerously fragile. And so if we could separate that, if we could separate what we do and all the titles and all the labels from who we are, and then I were to ask you this question, who are you? Like really, who are you? And you can't use a title, you can't use a label, you can't use something you do, you do, you can't use your occupation. How would you answer that question? Who are you? 
It's a great conversation to have with maybe a small group or your family or a close friend this week. And I believe the crux of how you answer that question will likely come down to the voice in your life that you've listened to or are listening to the most because you will likely see yourself the way that the loudest voice in your life describes you. And unfortunately, this is where some of us are going to have to do some deeper work because for some of us, we've had some voices in our life, listen to me, that should have been trusted voices. But the things that they spoke into our life were not coming from the Holy Spirit. If anything, they were coming from Satan himself. And listen to me, Satan is a master at using the opinions of others to give you a false identity. And I'm going to come back to that. Now, for some of you, <laughs> I'm going to address this because it's probably, it's probably happening. You've been in church long enough to know. It's like, Aaron, I know where you're going with this. You know, we're all children of God, and that's where we're supposed to find our identity. And it's like, I know where you're going. I've heard messages on identity before. And if that's you, listen to me first, I would say, slow your roll. I'm not there yet. But the second thing I would say is, you're wrong. This is a misconception. And we should probably clear it up this morning that we're all, we're all not actually children of God. Let me show you what John says in his gospel. He says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but birth that comes from God. So let me be clear. If you haven't invited Jesus to be the leader and Lord of your life today, then your identity is not in Christ. It's in something else in this world. But if you want to change that today, listen to me, you can. All you have to do is confess that you're a sinner in need of God's forgiveness that was made available for you through Jesus. And if you'll invite Jesus to be the leader and Lord of your life, then you will be in. You'll be in Christ and if anyone is in Christ, I want you to pay attention to all the identity that's wrapped up in this passage. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God. I love this next line. Who has reconciled us to himself. He has brought us into his family through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors, identity. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And it's possible. It's possible that you've known that your whole life. It's possible that you grew up in church and you went to Sunday school and Man, you know everything that I've said to be true, but just because you know it, don't miss this, just because you know it does not mean you have embraced it. And maybe you would say, this would be my story, that over the years of even knowing it, knowing the truth, that over the years of knowing it, some things that weren't rooted in God stuck. Maybe it's what others said about me or you or did to me, or you. Maybe it's something that we did, and it kind of latched onto us and gave us a reputation, and it became a part of one of our false identities. And if you're wondering today, 
Is it even possible? I mean, based on what's in my life, based on what's in my closet, is it even possible for me to have my full identity in Christ again based on the things that I've done? And so if that's a potential question for anybody in this room, pay attention. Because by his divine power, God has given us everything we need. By his divine power, God has given you everything that you need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. The one, here's that line again, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. Don't miss it, stay tuned. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape. Escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. If you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, God has called you to himself and you are a son or a daughter of the most high God and it's his voice and only his voice. I cannot say this more definitively and passionately. It is his voice and only his voice that gets the claim, the authority of assigning you identity. Can I say it again? It's his voice and only his voice, no one else's, that gets the authority of assigning you identity. And one of the greatest parts of your identity is the fact that you were worth dying for. And it's because of this that God wants to uproot every false identity that has ever been suggested to you because that's all it could have been. No matter what's been done to you, said to you by others, even the most trusted voices in your life, listen to me, they can only suggest who you are. They don't have the authority to assign to you identity. You are not what others have suggested you are. And you are not what others have done to you, which means that abuse, the addiction, the accusation, or the molestation doesn't get to define you. You are not lesser than or lower than any man or woman because of what you've done to yourself or what someone else has done to you. In the seat that I sit in, I've heard it all. Coming from voices that should have been more trusted. You're a nobody. You're a poor excuse for a fill in the blank. How could I love a queer? You're unlovable. You're a loser. You're ugly. You're retarded. You're one effed up kid. You're a failure. You're a filthy slut. Just a few of the things that I've heard sitting across the table of someone who's talking to me about the life that they lived. And so here we are. A life full of false identities. What do we do with that? Like, how do we start to get some of this crap out of us? How do we start to get some of these things that have stuck unstuck. If I can grab that water really quick. See, unfortunately, thanks. oftentimes what our approach is, is, well, I'm just, I just need a little bit of God in my life, right? I mean, I just want to get a little bit of God in my life, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start going to church a little bit. I'm going to read my Bible a little bit. Man, I'll do it, you know, I'll maybe even get in a group if it's convenient. And, and then, well, shouldn't that be enough? 
I mean, I'm doing some good stuff, and like, why isn't this stuff coming out of me? Because I feel like I'm, I'm making the right decisions, but can I go back to the very first statement, one of the very first statements that I made when I started our time together, and that is, it is in the consistent small things that we do over and over and over that often lead to the results that everybody is looking for. And so if you want to get some of this junk out of your life, you've got to fill your life with God. And this is not about earning anything. Let me be incredibly clear there. That's legalism. This is not about you earning God's love or earning grace. It's about releasing the junk that has accumulated in our life. And so we get in God's word and we stay in God's word and we start coming to church and we keep coming to church and we start asking people for help and forgiveness and we keep coming and we get in a small group and we ask for accountability and we keep allowing the spirit of God to pour into our lives. And maybe at some point we start we actually experiencing the more that we were created for. And we start to allow God to do immeasurably more than what we could ever ask or imagine. I'm going to knock the rest of them off. You can clap. It's all right. And watch this. It doesn't mean the accusations stop. It doesn't mean that Satan won't continue to try to bring other people's voices that have suggested that you're something. Again, they don't have the power to assign identity, but they can suggest. And when it keeps coming, if you will fill yourself with the things of God and consistently do them over and over and over again, as the accusations come, they'll only get to the surface. They can't get any deeper because you're filled with the Spirit of God, you're filled with the love of God. And this, this crap, and all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, no false identity, no failed marriage, no mental illness, no accusation, nor abuse, or addiction, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. You can say amen to that. You are in Christ. And Christ is in you, which means you were made in the image of God. You are a citizen of heaven. That's who you are. You are a son or daughter of the most high God. That is who you are. And so this, this doesn't get to define us anymore because we, we were made for more. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for being a God who doesn't give up on us. Thank you for being a God who wants to fill us over and over again with your love. And God, I know that there's going to be some work that needs to be done today because even though this sermon may, may feel like an inspirational sermon, may it may be a, an encouraging sermon, God, I know that there's going to have to be some deeper conversations that happen with some of the people in this room because some of those things, they've stuck. And in order to get them unstuck, we need some help. And so, God, I have no doubt that you work through your spirit, but you also work through your people. And so, God, if you can use other people in our life to help us to get unstuck from some of the things that have been assigned to us that never had the authority to give us identity, God, I pray that you would help us today. 
Because some of those things go deep. Some of those things go way back. Some of those things came from people that we should have been able to trust more. But God, more than anything, will you make sure that everybody walks out of this room today with the truth of knowing and understanding that you are the only one who has the authority to assign our identity. The only one. That we are a child of God. That we are able to walk in abundant life. That he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. That no power that stands against us will prosper if we have the spirit inside of us. So Father, I pray that you would remind us of these truths today and help us to begin to walk in deeper, more meaningful purpose because we know who we are. And more importantly, we know whose we are. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen.